Yeah, man, I'm I'm a young Thundercat. There you go. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Oh my goodness. All right, starting in five. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Started Up Podcast. It's Friday. There's conversations to be had that are crucial. I've got Jamal with me. We have a special guest as well. Jamal, tee it up for us, bud. Yeah, we got today. We got uh, Zach Schulter with us. He's a he's a principal out in Ohio. We're going to be talking about uh, leadership today. Um, Zach, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what it is that you do? Sure. I mean, I feel like I've had a very, very fortunate and blessed career. Um, I started off as a high school history teacher, and um, I did that for a few years. And then, um, you know, very quickly, I became a middle school assistant principal. I did that for five years. Um, elementary um, school principal. I was actually the principal of two schools at once. Wow. In, uh, in West Virginia, not too far from Wheeling. So the schools were about a 25-minute drive apart. So it was interesting going from school to school. But I felt like I gained six years of experience in three years. Wow. I, I looked at it that way. I mean, mathematically, um, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I then had the opportunity. I was really hesitant about it. You know, we had a young family. Um, but I got a phone call interested in me being a superintendent of a small district, um, only about 15 minutes from my house. So. Um, after a lot of discussion with my wife, we decided to make that leap. I did that for a little over four years. I felt like um, it was really an opportunity to lead a team. And uh, I was always under the impression that, I think I read it in a John Maxwell book many years ago when he made the decision to go from a small church to a large congregation that, you know, your goal really should be to impact as many people as possible if you feel like you have a strong message. So I made that leap. I did that for a little over four years. And then I decided to scale things back and uh, go back into the principal role. Um, there were some things at the superintendent level that um, became difficult. And uh, the chance to be a principal again at the high school level um, was a great opportunity to get back on the ground level, uh, work with the team, work directly with the students. And uh, it's been a lot of fun so far this year. Unfortunate with the uh, COVID pandemic that it ended abruptly, uh, but it's been really great. Um, I've also adjunct at West Liberty University for about six years. So I, I feel like I've gotten to do from the pre-K level all the way through adult, uh, which has given me a wide, wide range of experiences. And uh, it's like anything else. What's the old saying? If you see a turtle on top of a fence post, you had a lot of help getting there. And, uh, you know, that's been, and that's been true. I've had a great mom and dad. My dad owned a small grocery store in Martins Ferry, Ohio. Uh -huh. uh, he had me and my brothers working down there stocking shelves. Um, I'll never forget, you know, wipe the shelf, rotate the stock, and face the labels, man, um, all day. And uh, it's been a good experience, and it's been a good opportunity to, uh, to watch how you lead people by watching my mom and dad work with customers at the grocery store. So that's just a little bit about me. So you, you mentioned something that's near and dear to my heart. If you see a turtle sitting on the fence, you, you know it didn't get there by itself. Um, <laughs> you I have, like it. <laughs> you have used, I think you've used that at one point. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All Jamal's got some of these. So, Zach, I forget, are you kind of from the South? I am from southeastern Ohio, which is close <laughs> enough. I think it's a southern thing because every now and then Jamal will bust out some of those. And I'm like, I've never heard that in my life. So I'm glad that uh, you, you, you hit on a, a metaphor that uh, Jamal has used as well. So, yeah. So in uh, uh, the turtle wins the race is, is another one that I often say in connection to those two things. But speaking, speaking of, you know, just the, the power of the turtle on the fence, using that as a platform to kind of launch this off. Um, I, think, I think what makes anyone who has the career that you have had um, special or has 
have the ability to, to sustain excellence over that period of time is your ability to connect with people. And today, um, we want to dive into the concept of leading from the heart and connecting with people. So as, as far as your career has been, can you highlight some of the things that you do to lead your teams from a place of, uh, I say from your heart, heart led leadership? Absolutely. I, I think it, it really goes back to when I worked at the grocery store and seeing how my mom and dad interacted with customers. And, you know, our area was not very wealthy. You know, there, there are a lot of struggles with poverty, especially when the steel mill started to close. And um, for my parents, you know, it didn't matter if you were coming to the store to buy something small or something large. They treated you like, like you were family, man. And when the store closed, seeing all the people that came back to give my mom and dad, you know, hugs and, and to talk to them about the time they spent in the store and to see the, see the people that worked at the store. I mean, there's a, there's a judge in Columbus that worked at my dad's grocery store and he came back and just to see the impact they could have on people at that level. I mean, when you think of being in the grocery business, my dad being a butcher, you don't think that you have a large impact, but you do. Mm. So that's really where, where the leadership and connecting with people started, seeing how my mom and dad interacted mm. um, with people. And that was huge to observe. Um, and then it really wasn't until I was working on my master's degree, I, I had a professor and I don't even know what the class was called, but we spent almost the entire semester talking about Stephen Covey's Seven Habits. Um, guy's name was Dr. Capehart. He actually traveled out to Utah to become certified in Covey. And it really took everything my parents showed me through their actions and added words to it, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So now I had this great modeling from my mom and dad, but now I could talk about it with words. And, you know, something in the Covey book always stood out. You know, there was a CEO that was having issues and, you know, he was getting some, um, um, some coaching. And I think one of the questions the coach asked was, you know, the person who cleans your office, what's that, pers what's that person's name? And the CEO responded, you know, what does it matter what, the person who cleans my office's name is. And the coach just looked at him and said, you know, that's, that's your problem. You know, you, you don't connect with your people. And that always really stuck with me. And I knew when I became an administrator, I wanted to be somebody that made that connection. When I started out, I think I had it wrong. Actually, I know I had it wrong. I felt like, you know, if I was an elementary school principal going outside and, you know, tossing football with the students made a huge impact. And it did in a way, it made me feel good. You know, I, I looked like an NFL quarterback to those guys. They could, they could connect with me, but it wasn't until I heard Simon Sinek really talking about that you make the, the greatest impact, the most exponential impact when you impact your team. Because no matter how many times I went on the playground and tossed football around or visited classrooms, until I really started to coach that team, that team of educators, that team of teachers, then I wasn't having the impact that I really could have. So it, it, it all came watching videos and reading and Stephen Covey, John Maxwell, John Gordon, um, great book by another Ohioan, Todd Gong, where um, Lead for God's Sake, which is all about leading for the heart. Um, those books already, they started to make a big impact and then started reading some of the other books, um, you know, The Whole Brain Child and um, How Children Succeed and books like The Culture Code. And then pairing those together, the experiences with the leadership, with the neurological aspect, and really taking what I knew innately from my parents and putting some science um, behind it to really build a strong team. Yeah, I love hearing that. I mean, 
my affinity is always uh, like I love leadership and and really entrepreneurial authors because I think there's so many crossovers to to school. I mean, you don't have to, and don't get me wrong. I, I like a lot of education books written by educators because there are certain insights that they'll always have that, that might be unique from just say a, a Stephen Covey or somebody like that. But I, I just like it when <clears throat> school leaders will have that healthy diet of people beyond academia. I think it's so important. Um, and, 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 and it shows, I mean, I, when I went out and visited, you know, you a year and a half ago, it, it was abundantly clear that like the books that you were recommending to, to some of your teachers, um, I don't know. It, 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 it's, it's, I, I, I hesitate to say it. It's easier to build the culture, but at least you have something to like point to. And like, this is just my opinion. People that are being endorsed by Oprah or whatever, or like, this is what leadership and culture looks like. That being said, this was a really long question, Zach. Um, ha- has there been any instance where you have found like, and you don't have to say who the big name is, but like a leadership guru that clearly does not understand education. <laughs> I think, I think there's a lot out there that they don't. I think education is very unique because unless you were strictly homeschooled, everybody has experience in the classroom. So it, it's one of those things to where almost like the armchair quarterback to where you've been in mm-hmm. school. Maybe it wasn't the best experience. Maybe it was something that was extremely easy for you and you sailed right through. It's, Sometimes I relate to, you know, they say that, you know, good players sometimes don't become the best coaches. Mm. And I think that sometimes happens with, with authors or especially the ones that see things, they, they try to go from a straight, you know, philosophical standpoint. Um, and it's a lot more gray than, than you realize. And sometimes it's where you start on the racetrack depends on where you finish unless there's major interventions. Um, taking place. So I think that it's really real that people think that these jobs are, are, are very cut and dry and there's so much nuance to them. And um, I was reading something, I think I saw it on Twitter. I can't remember exactly where that when they ask educators, what's the number one thing it's, we need to fix our culture. And uh, Jamal and I just read the book, um, the score takes care of itself by Bill Walsh. And, you know, he talks a lot about getting the culture right getting people that um, will support you, but aren't yes people, you know, they're willing to challenge you. And then he says, you know, you really have something special when you walk around the practice field and you see your assistant coaches using the language that you shared with them. And then you see the players in the locker room taking care of the locker room through the language and the vision that you've shared. So just to circle back around to your question, I think unless it's like anything else, unless you've really um, done it and, and, um, manage large groups of people. And I don't think it has to be strictly in education. I think it applies everywhere. That's why these books are so great um, that you don't realize how nuanced that environment can be and how it doesn't take much to see all the work that you do as a team to kind of be infiltrated and some of those toxins kind of kind of seep through and, and tear apart what you've done. And that's why it's so important that you have to be vigilant in your, <clears throat> excuse me, in your culture, because it's not static. You know, Cynic talks about it's, consistency it's not intensity if you go to the dentist twice a year he talks about your teeth are going to fall out but if you brush your teeth every single day you're going to have a healthy mouth and the same with exercise Hmm. if you go to the gym if you go to the gym and you do a a cross training exercise or you know the murph challenge which takes place on memorial day 
and you do that once a year, you're not going to be in great shape. But if you do 20 minutes a day every day, um, you're going to eventually get there. And to me, that's what leadership's all about. I think that's what the really good authors on the, on the topic understand, that it's not about intensity. It's not about having these huge team building activities twice a year or doing these big reward programs once a year. It's about day in and day out, the grind, being consistent, people knowing what to expect, holding each other um, to these standards. Um, we did something this year called One Word That Will Change Your Life. It was a book by John Gordon. Mm-hmm. And we all shared our word. And we emailed our words to each other. And to me, that was one way to hold each other accountable. Um, you know, if I knew your word and you knew mine, um, you could say, hey, Zach, you know, y- you really want to, you know, turn, um, turn difficulty into opportunity. Um, you know, use this, use this COVID crisis as a chance to grow and develop. Um, so I think there's a lot of different um, things that you can do to build that connection. But it's got to be, it's got to be from the heart. Um, people can see through you eventually if, if you're trying to fake it. So, so let me, let me just gain some clarity for someone who may be listening, who is aspiring to be a leader at a school, right? I think there are a lot of misconceptions coming from the classroom, going into administration at a school. What are some of the pitfalls that a new administrator could fall into if they're not careful? Um, in their approach to leading people, especially if it's from a place that's not of connectivity or from the heart. As, as a new administrator, I think one of the quickest things you can get caught up in is trying to fix all the problems at once. You know, hmm. Don, talks, Don talks about it, solving interesting problems. And I think you, got, you guys talked about this on your last podcast is you don't have to solve everything, but solve something and solve something that matters to people. And then don't do it by yourself. Get other people involved. And I love what Don talks about with the entrepreneur type attitude, um, especially when you're in a high school, even all the way down to the elementary, you can find, you can find ways to get, get students involved. Um, hmm. But I, th- I think if you try to tackle too much, it, it kind of falls apart on you. And sometimes it, if you're focused on, if you come across that you're so focused on the state test and that you're obsessed with these test scores. It kind of does the opposite of what Bill Walsh talks about, where the score takes care of itself. You're mm. trying to dictate the score. Mm. And, you're, and you're willing to do certain things to reach those short-term term games and play the finite game instead of the infinite game. Mm. And building the culture takes a lot of time. It's slow. It's arduous. You know, you have to do 10 things right um, over and over and over again and, and repeat it. I know when I was an administrator, I started off as an assistant principal and I felt like I was the chief disciplinarian. And I felt like I got farther and farther away from education because I was just handling discipline issues. And I didn't really understand what my role was. I didn't understand the scope of what I could do. So I think the biggest thing you want to do is not try to tackle too many problems. You don't want to come across as you're obsessed with just the standards. You want to get people to really know who you are. I always say that if people look at me as just Mr. Shuttler, a guy in a shirt and tie, I'm just a suit. If I can get people to know me as Zach and I'm a guy that has two kids, a wife, you know, we grew up, you know, working in a small grocery store, people can start to relate to you. It's that whole shared vulnerability, things like Brene Brown talks about. It doesn't mean you spill your guts, but people see that you're fallible, you're willing to admit your mistakes, and and you're willing to grow. I think sometimes that whole, you know, macho leader, square jaw, attitude you know if i admit that i'm wrong i think that gets new administrators 
in, in a tough spot right away um, because you don't know. Somebody said to me once when I got my first head principal job, I was nervous. I was a nervous wreck. <laughs> and they pulled me aside and they said, Zach? I said, yeah. They said, uh, are you nervous? I said, very much so. They said, just remember, no matter how much the teachers know, you've been an assistant principal, you know a little bit more than them from the administrative side, you're going to be fine. And that was 10 years ago. And I still remember that, that if you've done the homework, if you've studied, if you've researched, you're always going to know a little bit more. Keep your mind open to learn new things, but don't be intimidated by the situation. And, uh, you know, share, share when you make mistakes. I think that's what new administrators can get really caught up in is um, trying to feel like they know everything and solve too many problems. Yeah. I like how you have like quoted probably 10 of some of my favorite authors casually in the conversation. It's <laughs> like, yep, yep, yep. Oh, he just dropped infinite game. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I love all that. I, I getting, I'm, I'm lucky to um, have met a lot of superintendents and principals and, and leaders that don't necessarily have the title, but clearly they are. And what a lot of them have is, yeah, they're, they're students of leadership. Um, you know, like it, it is definitely an acquired skill. And I just love like listening to all the things that you just dropped and, and little nuggets of wisdom because I, I, um, I, I think that not only are we or not, I've, I've never been a school administrator, but not only are you guys, you know, leaders in the school, but to the students as well, I think that um, they notice that they notice when the teachers, you know, have your respect and, and, you know, you're, you're leading a class culture and a school culture in a certain direction. Um, it, it doesn't go unnoticed. So I just love that you're a, a student of, of leadership. And when it comes down to it, people trust people to protect them. They don't necessarily trust rules. And just a quick little story, my first administrative job, um, I didn't know what I was doing. I was learning as I went. Um, we had a lot of rules. We had a lot of people that, you know, especially students that didn't follow them. We were very heavy handed, you know, with discipline. And I'll never forget, we had a student come in. He was late for school. And we had this rule in place that if you showed up late, you couldn't participate in your athletic activity. So I knew we really needed to work on the culture after this, because when he came in, the first person he saw um, said, hey, you know, you can't play in your football game that day. So he's something probably pretty sure he used some four letter words towards the uh, towards the employee. And he storms off and I get a call on my on my radio and I go and find this student and he's just furious. And I said, what's going on? And he says, he told me I can't play a football game today. And, you know, he wasn't a star player, um, but he liked the game. And I said, well, you know, and here's me, I'm you know, a rule follower at this point. I'm 27 years old. I'm like, well, you know, the rule in the handbook says if you're late, you know, he says, do you know how I got to school today, Mr. Shuttler? I said, I, I do not know how you got to school today. He goes, when I woke up, nobody was home, and I took a cab. And to me, that instant changed how I viewed how, how we need to look at hard and fast rules. You know, we need to look at these people as individuals. He did his best job to get to school that day. We had some, you know, draconian rules that um, really turned him off probably to education and the school in general. So um, that really changed my perspective on things. 
you know, that's a perfect transition to kind of like the state of, like I say, the state of the union proverbially, but like the state of education where we are now. Um, we've spoke about it on this show a little bit with, you know, COVID. Um, and me and you have even spoken about it in some private conversations uh, as it relates to students trying to get with the online learning component of life and then being told or being led by people who might not be so empathetic to the situation and are willing to change. Would you share some insight as the leader of the school, how you prepare the hearts of the teachers so that they can prepare the hearts of the children to be successful during this rough time? Uh, Jamal, you really inspired me with this one. We had a great conversation the other day, and we extended the nine weeks by a week um, because we have students who still need to get things in. And we have to open them, we have to welcome them back with open arms, similar to the, uh, the story of the prodigal son. You know, mm -hmm. if, if they disappear on you for seven weeks, welcome them back for those last two weeks. And we can't be so harsh with our, with our late policies right now um, because it's a, it's, Nobody's experienced a school closure that's lasted this long in, in, you know, in their lifetimes. So I think you've got to ask your teachers, you know, how are you doing? And I've tried to be very, very vigilant about that in my Zoom conferences and when I've seen them. And, you know, they'll tell you, you know, hey, I'm, I'm struggling a little bit or, you know, hey, I didn't get to see my, my grandkids for a long time. And then you, you make that transi transition into how are your students doing? And, you know, sometimes... You know, you hear stories, you know, they should have been able to get this done. They should have been able to get that done. And then you just kind of bring it back and say, look, you know, we're all struggling through this. Just reflect on our conversation. Um, these students are going through a lot and you have to keep your heart open and your mind open. And I always say, if I'm going to make a mistake in this, I'm going to make a mistake during this crisis with being empathetic. Hmm. You know, if two, if two or three kids take advantage of the situation with the extended time, I'm okay oh, with wow. that. I am. A-okay with that. Um, if if eighty percent of them use these ex extra days to get their things done, and we can pass and we can move forward, I think we've done right by them. So I think it just all starts with that modeling approach. You have to, when you ask somebody how they're doing, you got to really mean it and really be willing to listen. And we had a lot of you know team meetings and Zoom meetings where that was basically just the uh, the crux of the meeting is you know how how are you guys doing. I, I, uh, I'm trying to think back about, um, the people that I really, so I, I only had three school, well, three principals that I'd served under and all three, um, were, they cared about me as a person first. And, and I'll never forget that in the sense that, um, there was no, an adversarial relationship, you know, when they did, um, scheduled, uh, visits and, and, you know, uh, performance evaluations, it was always, constructive. I wasn't perfect. Shock. <laughs> well, but, but it was just, it, it was just nice to know that, like you were saying, like just understanding them, um, that they're people first, their parents, there, there are a lot of things, um, that was always on the top of their mind. And, and so I, I like that, that answer you just gave, because it does, this reminds me of, of who I was lucky enough to, to have as my principles. I think to add to that, as we kind of land this plane, there people are too dynamic to plan for, especially in 
um, crisis situations. We don't know how people are going to respond to adverse situations, especially when they're not in the controlled environment of a school. I'm speaking specifically to educators. Like if, if you're listening to this and you don't get anything else than the fact that like the business that we are in is a people business. We lead people. I was riding a horse one time and a ho people are much greater than a horse, right? Um, I was riding this horse and I was leading this horse toward a tree, right? And I'm riding this horse and I'm freaking out because I'm about to crash the horse, y'all. Um, <laughs> the horse, like as I'm riding this horse, this horse um, stops right at like right in front of the tree, backs up and moves around, right? And then, you know, leaves me a safety. I say that to say, um, you know, we are, we are leading intellectual beings that are much greater than that, than the, than the intellect of a horse. Um, if I had to choose between eating my food at night and doing your classwork or following the rules of the school, like I'm going to choose, I'm going to choose life. The horse that day chose not to run into that tree. I don't expect the student who has to work 60 hours a week to stop working 60 hours a week when they're the only breadwinner. So it's just, it's just considering that and making heartfelt decisions and understanding that this is a, this is a dynamic time for dynamic people and looking at every situation, much like you did with, with the kid that rode the cab to school, looking at every situation and evaluating that situation rules like rules locks proverbially are made to keep honest people honest right um but if someone steals that doesn't mean like we we throw all the locks away i say all that to say look at everything from an empathetic standpoint and lead with the heart and understand that the people no one's going to remember the quadratic formula no one's going to remember uh who george washington was in, in the next hundred years um like like that stuff doesn't matter as much as the life of that individual. So like, I feel like now more than anything, we have the, the burden to speak life and be life in the lives of our children. Well, well said. said. Yeah, that <laughs> was. That's uh, one thing I learned Don today. Um, if it wasn't clear before, and, and I love what you do with the entrepreneurship stuff is we brought students in to clean out their lockers. We're at about a 50-50 clip on how many remember their locker combination. So if that tells you how much students remember memorized information, I don't know what else does. Focus more on collaboration, speaking, and solving interesting problems. I love that. There you go. Well, hey, Jamal, thanks for uh, recommending to have Zach on today. That was awesome. How did this all go down again? Oh, man. Uh, LinkedIn. You, you would okay. You wouldn't, you would think that uh, LinkedIn, I thought LinkedIn was full of fake people trying to no, sign no. up and be yeah, How long America, we know each other? Come on, come on. Primerica <laughs> agents. Uh, if you're a Primerica agent, I'm not interested in being a Primerica sales rep. Um, but, uh, I, you know, Zach listens <laughs> to the show and, and he, I don't know, I don't know how we message each other. That's but, awesome. I mean, like now we're like best buds, man. We're doing book studies um if you're you know what perfect opportunity if you're interested in joining the book study with me and zach and you're a leader um 
hit us up on LinkedIn. There it is. Uh, we're having a lot of fun, man. We're having a lot of fun. Having a lot of fun, man. We'll zoom you in and, and we'll collaborate and we'll talk. I think right now um, we need to strive together more than anything. And um, Zach's energy has been refreshing from my end to know that there's someone in this world who thinks about school the way that I do and loves and loves kids. Did I say that right? It has a love for kids the way that I do. Yep. Um, it's refreshing. I don't know, Zach. What are your thoughts? It's, I think it just goes to show that, you know, nobody's on an island and, and you don't have to be on an island. I mean, I reached, I reached out, Don did a speech, I think, at Carlo University in Pittsburgh, and I knew somebody at Carlo, and then I connected with Don. And then Don did our, our virtual graduation commencement. Shout out to you, Don, for doing that. And then listening to his podcast, you know, led me to you, Jamal, and, you know, we're growing and we're learning together. And, yeah. You know, I just think, you know, as I've gotten older, you know, I'm, I'm a dad, I have two young kids, and you know, we talk a lot about, you know, you know, being a leader, having faith, you know, being strong on the inside, you know, attacking each day with enthusiasm and, you know, don't letting your ego get in the way, ask for help. And, you know, just the same message that you share with your own kids, that's what you want for other kids. And, um, you know, I'd like every educator that my kids run into to be looking at it the same way is, you know, I want the kids that I'm looking after um, to be the same, you know, same type of, of leader um, at home that they are at the office. And um, I think that's what we all strive for as, as parents and as educators. Well, I'm glad you guys connected. I'm glad that uh, the conduit was the, the podcast. And Zach, we appreciate you having me on. I'm sure we'll do it again. Jamal, good idea, man. So this episode is in the books. Thanks for guys for joining us on Cruise Conversations, Leadership Friday, new angle. And uh, for Jamal Crook and Zach Shopper and Stan Wetrick, reminding you his opportunities everywhere. See ya. <laughs>